now the light's on. Okay, uh, so Tracy will be aware of this, I think. This is the Amsler grid, all right? She's an optometrist. Amsler grid was def, uh, developed by a Swiss ophthalmologist in 1947. And here's the whole point of this grid. It helps you see your blind spots. At least for me, it did. Uh, and I, uh, Scotoma, is that the right way to pronounce it? That's the medical word for a blind spot. I'm not as, Tracy's way more educated than me. But if you were to close, I, I, it, it does, I can't figure out, it, it works for me because I have an unnatural blind spot. So if you put your, put your left hand over one of your left eye, stare at this point in the circle in the, in the middle with your right eye, stare at that and see if you can see all the corners of the square through that peripheral vision, all right? I think everybody has a natural blind spot. Is that, am I correct? If you didn't really, you know. But I have an unnatural one. So when I first went to the eye doctor when I was 16, if I look at the center circle with my left eye, I cannot see the upper left corner of the square. It's just not there. That was my reason for missing the ball in baseball. But anyway, but it was, there's something wrong with my eye. But I think, if I'm correct, everybody has a natural blind spot. We're just not aware of it. There's something in your vision that you don't see, right? It's a blind spot. We also know the term blind spot from when you're driving. You have a blind spot on either side of you. So you will often ask, or I'll ask Kathy, or she'll ask me, is it clear to pass? Because even with the mirror, you can't quite see unless you do this. And even then, you might be blocked by things in your car. So blind spot is something we all have with our eyes. We also have it when we're driving. It's, it's part of who we are. There's things we can't always see. But today I want to challenge you, and myself included, about the blind spots you might have spiritually in your own life, things you don't see, maybe even about yourself, and you've just gotten so used to it, you think it's normal, all right? Because we're going to talk about blind spots, about being blind, and again, it's more about your own, about yourself, and maybe primarily in your relationship with God, not blind spots about how you look or things like that, but kind of about your heart. So I've been doing a series that I started, and then we took a break when we were gone for overseas and stuff. It's called, Do You Want to Be Healed? And the whole idea is, how do we experience the healing of Jesus? And here I'm not talking specifically about physical healing, but I'm talking about uh, the healing all of us need in our hearts. And I don't mean just the one time I became a Christian, I'm healed, because that's the beginning of the process of the Spirit of Jesus doing work in your heart. So, um, so here's, here's the assumptions I've had with this, and I'll remind you of these assumptions, because like I said, we haven't, uh, I haven't talked to this for a while. So let me go to the next phrase, because this, the next, pa- the next slide, this is Jesus, the mission of Jesus according to Jesus. A lot of times if somebody would ask the average person on the street, what's the mission of Jesus, or ask the average Christian, they might say, well, he died on the cross to get us into heaven after we die. That is a true statement, but it wasn't the mission of Jesus according to Jesus. All right? This was his mission. This is a situation. He's in his hometown uh, synagogue, and he actually has a chance. To, it's, his turn, it's his turn to read. The men would take turns to read, or he maybe got a turn. We don't know. But he read a passage from the prophet Isaiah, 
which talked about the Messiah that was to come and what that Messiah's mission was. And this is what Jesus read, all right? This is from Luke chapter 4, but it comes from the book of Isaiah. But this was his mission. So read this with me. This is just outline with me. This is the mission of Jesus. All right, here we go. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus finished reading that. It said he looked at the people in the, in, the, in the gathering and said, today, this has become fulfilled in your hearing. Basically what he's saying, this, that's me. I'm the one who will bring this in. And you'll notice his mission is more about healing, healing the broken heart. Blind will see. And it's not simply just that blind people physically will see, but it's more of even the spiritual blindness that we'll talk about today. But this is the mission of Jesus. He came to bring wholeness to your life healing to your heart from whether it's pains from your past, forgiveness issues, whatever. And this is not about psychology. This is about the spiritual realities of your heart that's broken by human, but just by human life. And then how God can heal us so we can be fully, fully alive, awake, and free. That's what he wants for us. He designed us to be that way. So your relationship with God is not simply to get your ticket into heaven after you die because Jesus gives me a ticket, I get on the train, I'm good to go because that's just the beginning of a whole process where you become the person God designed you to be. Fully alive, awake, and free. And a term I've, we've, I talked about some people this week, abnormally loving, courageous, and joyful. That's who we're all called to be. And every one of you knows, knows what I mean when you say, I know I was meant to be more than I am. We don't often sit and ponder that, but we, you, you know what I'm talking about. You, I, I'm, more, I'm meant to be more than who I am. So a couple other assumptions from this, just leave this on this. So we all have wounds. And again, this is not about cycle. We all have wounds, and our wounds are deeper than our convictions. By that I mean, I may have the conviction that I'm supposed to love my wife as Christ loved the church, but sometimes in my woundedness, I don't treat Kathy well. So my woundedness often, whether I'm wounded by things in our relationship or wounded by things in my family of origin or whatever, sometimes my wounds will drive how I act, as, even though I know the right thing to do is treat her kindly. So, and that's true with other issues. So your wounds, our wounds often will drive our behaviors, even though we know we don't want to be that way. And that's part of the whole idea. And then, so Jesus came to heal our wounds. He came to restore our heart. He came to set us free. So he didn't just, he didn't just come to get us into heaven after we die, although that's a huge part of the, of the relationship with Jesus, but he came to heal us, all right? So I'm going to talk about briefly three different situations where Jesus heals blind people. And I'm, it's going to relate to us, but I want to talk about this. So go to the next slide. First one is this. Jesus heals a blind person in Matthew chapter 9. All right, and we're going to, Jesus heals a lot of blind people. It seems like every time you open one of the Gospels. But in Matthew chapter 9, it says, two blind men were following behind Jesus, and they were yelling, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Because they had some sense of who this guy was. Maybe he can change my life, because their whole life at this point most likely was begging and blindness, but they're yelling at the top of their lungs, and then says, they went right into the house where Jesus was staying. So they had no 
No more qualms anymore. They wanted to get healed. They went right, right into the house. And it says, Jesus asked them, do you believe I can do this? Do you believe I'm able to do this? Go to the next slide. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Again, it's one of those, Jesus often asks a lot of questions I think are kind of odd or funny. Why would they be calling out to you, Jesus, if they're blind? And you said, are you, do you think I'm able to do this? And maybe you would think, of course, they think that because that's why they're crying out to you. But maybe Jesus sometimes wants us to say that back to him. If Jesus said, do you think I'm able to change this part of who you are? Sometimes he asks us that because he wants us to say, yes, I want you to. I need you to. I believe you can. But it's an interesting question Jesus asked of these men. Do you think I'm able to do this? They say, yes, we do. Then it says he touched their eyes and he said, because your faith, it will happen. Their eyes were open and they could see. So again, this question of do you think, think about stuff in your heart. Do you think Jesus is able to bring healing to those places of your heart? Whether it's a forgiveness issue, any kind of woundedness. Do you think Jesus is able? And Maybe you think, well, I've asked him and he hasn't done it yet. I've asked him to get rid of this in my life. But do you think he's able? I'm asking you a present tense question. Do you think he's able to bring healing to the part of your heart that you've long known was there but can't figure out why it hasn't healed? All right. That's the first story. Second story, going to Matthew chapter 20. And again, there were two blind men uh, sitting beside the road. And again, they have the same kind of context. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. All right. Son of David was a term they, that they were referring to Jesus. It's using an Old Testament reference. It's basically they're saying, we, think, we believe you're the Messiah. You're the Son of David. Have mercy on us is basically kind of this plea. And it, have mercy on us is the most prayed, pr- prayed prayer throughout the history of the church. I mean, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And it comes from not just the blind men. There's a couple of times in the New Testament where people cry out to Jesus for mercy. But Lord, have mercy on us. Actually, I think I read somewhere, too, that there are more Christian songs around the idea of Lord, have mercy than any other songs. That's throughout history, whether it's the Catholic church, Orthodox church, or whatever. But they, they yell out to him, Lord have, Lord, have mercy on us. And the crowd yells to them, to these blind beggars who are crying out to Jesus, the crowd yells, be quiet. Don't bother. Don't bother this religious gathering. You're being, too, you're being out, of, out, of, out of line here. But, and I love this about these two men, they only shouted louder. Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The people were saying, out of line, not appropriate. But they, they were desperate. And I, again, I'm asking you to think about your own situation, your own heart, things in your heart, whether it's like it's forgiveness issues, relational issues, fear, anxiety, whatever issues. Are you desperate enough for Jesus that you'll cry out that way? The, the, the Greek word for cry out, when they're crying out, Lord, have mercy, is the word kradzo. It's not that important to know the Greek word, but it's one of those words they call it, I think, it's, is it called an onomatopoeia? When the, the word actually mimics the sound. So it was like the sound of a crow calling out, kradzo. So it was the calling out that was kind of like guttural, kind of like crying out. So when you cried out, it was like from the depths of who you are. 
So they're crying out, I need healing here. And then, so they shouted louder, Lord, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and he called. This is, again, one of these uh, funny questions of Jesus. He looks at these blind men and he says, what do you want me to do for you? And it's one of those things, if I'm being a little bit cynical about Jesus, I want to say, and I don't like this word, but I want to say, duh, Jesus. What do you think they want? But Jesus isn't being unkind, because we know he's not unkind. He's not ignorant. He knows they're blind. But when he says, what do you want me to do for you? Maybe he knows it's really good for us to be able to express back to him what our need is. And he's not doing it in some kind of push us into the dust, dirt kind of way. But Jesus is asking, what do you want me to do for you? And sometimes he wants us to hear, I, I want to be healed. In my, I, I, want, I want to learn how to forgive this person. I want to learn how to not have anxiety. I want to, sometimes he needs us, not sometimes, he needs us, he wants us to be able to verbalize what we need from him. And that's part of our healing. So when Jesus asked these blind men, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, Lord, we, we want to see. And it says, uh, he touched their eyes. Instantly they were healed. All right? So now the third story about blindness comes from uh, John chapter 9. And this is where we kind of blend into some spiritual blindness. Because when you think about blindness, even in the Old Testament, the psalmist, when the psalmist talks about blindness, the sense is not just physical, but even spiritual blindness. The blindness of uh, not seeing who God really is, and in the New Testament sense, not seeing who Jesus really is, and often the big block there is pride, all right? So here's the situation in John chapter 9. Um, Jesus healed a man who was blind. He healed him on the Sabbath, which the Pharisees, in their incredibly arrogant pride, and I'm saying that knowing we can also be Pharisees, or I know I can be a Pharisee, they throw a major penalty flag and say, wait a minute, you can't heal on the Sabbath. I mean, they're so caught in legalism, they're, they're telling Jesus it was wrong to give a blind person sight on the Sabbath. And the way Jesus had healed this man, he spit it into the mud, spit it in the dirt, made mud, put it on the guy's eyes and told him to go wash it off in the pool of Sloam. The man goes and washes his eyes off and he says he can see. And then the, the chapter, it's almost funny. If you want to read the rest of, read Hall of chapter 9 sometime, because the blind man sees, and people are like, how'd this happen? He goes, why? This man named Jesus did it. They sent him to the Pharisees because it happened on the Sabbath, so it was, like, wrong. The Pharisees are like, who, who did this? And it was Jesus. How did he do it? Well, he just did this, and I don't know. He just he healed me. And the Pharisees are like, well, who is this? And the blind man says to the Pharisees, I don't know. Do you want to follow him too? And they, get, they, they, they start cursing at the guy. Who do you think? You, you were born in sin. That's why. You're, you're a sinner. And the guy just says, I don't know. And he even called the guy's parents in. Is this your son? Yes. Was he born blind? Yes. Who healed him? Ask him. So there's all this. It's, it's kind of when you think about it. It's, and then, and then, then Jesus finds the guy. Because Jesus kind of knew this was going on. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked him. This is John chapter 9, verse 35. Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man answered, who is he, sir? 
I want to believe in him. You've seen him, Jesus said, and he's speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus, which probably meant he was fell on his knees in front of him. Then Jesus told him, I entered the world to render judgment. This is Jesus again. I entered the world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. And this, he's saying this, and there's Pharisees in the crowd. And this is what happens. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby hurt him, and they ask, are you saying that we're blind? It's kind of like, the, are you talking about us? Do you think we're blind? I mean, it's, it's incredibly offensive to the Pharisees, and Jesus knew what he was doing here. He wasn't playing a game. He was saying, I came to show those who can't see they can be healed. And I showed those who think they can see that they're really blind. And he's there like, you think it's me? You're talking about me? You're talking about us? All these, we're the most righteous people here. I'm not blind. And then Jesus says, Jesus never backs down. He says, if you were blind, if you really were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. And I'm saying this, and you, maybe you were here when I had, I had, for a while I had a picture of, kind of a mocked up picture of some Pharisees. And I stuck a picture of myself up there. I even put a Pharisee hat on myself. And I could do that for all of us because we all can be that way. And what I'm saying is we all have spiritual blindness that we don't always see. We have spiritual blind spots. And you might say, well, I don't know, I think I'm good. I'm good with Jesus. I think I see it. But if you ever get to the point where you think, I see it, I see, I have no blind spots on the Ambler grid spiritually. If you ever get to that point, you're probably in a dangerous place. Not probably, you are in a dangerous place. And sometimes, and you might think, well, I don't know, I'm sure I have blind spots. I don't know what they are. But sometimes you might want to, Ask Jesus, or if you're married, ask your spouse. They might tell you, right? Because sometimes our blind spots, spiritually, I don't mean blind spots in your personality or blind spots in other things, but blind spots spiritually, there's things you may not see. Just like you don't see certain things on the Eimsler grid, you don't see when you're driving, you look back on the blind spot. And so I'm, I'm going to tell a recent story just about me and a blind spot that uh, I see. So just, just in this last week, I was part of a conversation with the people, and after the conversation was over, it was just Kathy and I at home, and uh, Kathy said to me, I think you have forgiveness issues, and I think it's holding you back. My first response probably internally was, <laughs> are you saying I'm blind? I didn't say that to her, because in this case, by the grace of God, as soon as she said it, I thought, I think she's right. I didn't, I didn't want to see it, because it's much easier, any of you who have forgiveness issues, it's much easier to hold on to the forgiveness issue, because it gives you a little bit of life, and it gives you a little sense of control, because lack of forgiveness, anger, or resentment can be pretty life-giving in a real bad kind of way. So she, she was pointing out a blind spot to me, um, which you might have a spouse or you might have 
good friends, you might have just somebody else's. But it was something I thought, I, I'm, I'm almost 62, and I, sometimes I would, have, I would have hoped that by this point in my life, I've kind of got most of my spiritual bases covered. But I'm realizing over the last number of years, and I think I hope to always realize this until the day I die, there's always, there's always more ways I can grow. There's always things I can see. There's always ways Jesus wants to bring healing. I'm not 100% healed yet. None of us are this side of heaven. So when Kathy said that to me, I think you have some forgiveness issues that you have to work on, and it's holding you back. And then the next morning, I met with a guy who was part of that meeting, and I said, you know, Kathy said this, and I, I think it's true. And he almost agreed a little bit too quickly. Yeah, I think that's true, too. I was like, oh, man. I was going to hope you might say otherwise. But he's like, no, I, he said, I didn't think of it at the time, but now that I hear the context, because he was in that part of the conversation, he goes, I think that's true. So then, so, then, uh, so then I go back to the earlier stories. So maybe my prayer simply is, Lord, Son of Mercy, have mercy on me. Son, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. I want to see. I don't want to just see now whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's anxiety, whether it's fear, whether it's unbelief, whatever your blind spot is, because it, it could be any one of those things. Pride, in my case, I would say it was probably pride. I thought I had it covered. Pride, your blind spot might be fear. And that your fear of what's going to happen in the future when you don't put Jesus in the equation, maybe that's driving how you respond to things. Or maybe there is some forgiveness issues in your life that you thought, I, I think I've taken care of that, I've forgiven them. But forgiveness is not an event. It's a process. Sometimes it might take years to finally get healed from that. So maybe your blind spot is unbelief. I just don't believe Jesus can do this anymore. When Jesus said to the blind man, do you think I'm able to do this? Maybe if you were honest to Jesus, you might say, I don't know. I don't know if you're able to fix this part of my heart because I've asked you before and it hasn't happened. Or I just don't think it's even possible because it's such a big issue. Again, whether it's fear Anxiety, doubt. We sang about some of the things. Doubt, fear, anxiety. could be pride. You know, what's your blind spot? And so when Jesus says to think I'm able to do this, and then he says to Bar- blind Bartimaeus in the passage, what do you want me to do for you? Then my response is, I want to forgive this, these people of this situation. Or you might say, I want to trust you. I, I don't want to live in fear anymore of what's going to happen to me. Or I, 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 want my anxiety, I want Jesus to help me to trust you and not be anxious about my future. So what is it you would say if Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And I'm not looking for the answers like you want a better, bigger house, bigger bank account, or a bigger boat. But it's more of the things in your heart that you know. I, th- I know I've got something that's locked up in my heart I think most of us know there's something there. We just never want to go to that closet door. So in my case, Kathy was loving and courageous enough to say that to me. And you've probably had people maybe say things to you or maybe people don't say things to you because they know you're going to react. <laughs> she even told me just yesterday, I thought you were going to get really defensive when I said that to you. I'm not going to lie. That's my kid's office. I'm not going to lie. That's probably my norm with Kathy when she points out a blind spot to me. I get, what are you talking? I, I'm like the Pharisee. You saying I'm blind? You, you saying? But in this case, she was accurate. Actually, in most cases, she's accurate. And just like maybe some of your friends or your spouses or family members 
or people you've talked to might point things out to you, if your first reaction is defensive, that may be a signal that they're on to something. So again, um, if it's fear, pride, unbelief, judgment, you do not want to be in the group of the Pharisees who would say, are you saying we're blind? You're saying I'm blind? You don't want to be with them. You want to be with Bartimaeus and the blind man who had mud on his eyes, and they say to Jesus, we just want to be healed. So you'd rather be with that crowd, the blind people crowd, the beggars. You'd rather be with that crowd than the crowd of Pharisees because you will, you will only find spiritual death over there. Over here, you'll find life and freedom. So again, my question goes back to do you want to be healed? And that's the question Jesus is asking you. Not, I'm not asking you the question. Jesus asked you that question. And you might say, I don't know what my blind spot is. Ask Jesus. He's compassionate. He's direct. But he's compassionate. And he will show you. Then you have to figure out, once he shows you, what do you do with it? Because he is able to bring healing. And he wants to bring healing. It's not like, sorry, not this time, especially with issues of your heart. So I want to close before we go to communion and go back to, go to, the, next, go back to the, the passage in Luke 4, because this is what Jesus said he wants to do in your heart, in my heart. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Jesus. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And he's not just talking about economic poor. It's poor in spirit, people who are broken. Uh, he sent me to, captives will be released, people who are captive to sin. Maybe there's a sin issue in your life where you feel like, I can't break this cycle. Uh, blind will see. That's what I'm talking about today. See things that you realize, oh, I've got to deal with that. The oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. The time of the Lord's favor has come is basically Jesus saying, I want you all to know that Jesus, that God is in a very giving mood toward everyone. He's very gracious. He's gracious, he's kind, he's slow to anger, and he's quick to forgive. He's basically saying God is not this ogre that sometimes we think. God is not the guilt monster. God is not the, uh, I'm going to push your nose in the dirt. But God's like, no, I want to set you free. The year of the Lord's favor has come. That's what he's saying. So uh, I want you to close your eyes. And I want to just, um, if Jesus were to ask you, what do you want me to do for you? If you can, I want you to maybe picture him, whatever that would be for you, looking across, from you, across the chair from you or the table. If he said to you, what is it that you want me to do for you? In accordance with my, his vision from Luke 4, what, what might Jesus, what might you say back to Jesus? If he said, what do you want me to do for you? So Jesus, you, um, you are, the Bible calls you a great physician. And that primarily uh, applies to our hearts. And there's not a person here that doesn't have fear, there's not a person here that doesn't have 
pride. There's not a person here that doesn't have unbelief or doubt or unforgiveness. We all have those things stirring around in our hearts. Maybe they're small in some cases. Maybe they're really big in other cases. But Jesus, we don't want to live that way. We really don't. We're just afraid. To be honest, we're afraid of healing. Because we don't know what that, we don't know if it's going to feel like or look like. And it may cause, we figured out how to make our life work the way it is. We don't want to be that way. We want to be free. So would you even, even today or this week or in this month, would you stir up things in our hearts and would you help us to see our blind spots? Not because you want to see, you know, condemn us for them, but you want us to see them so you can set us free. You want us to see them so we can be alive again. So because you're a a physician that wants to help us, to restore us, and to bring us back to wholeness with you. And we love you for that. Why wouldn't we follow you if that's who you are? And that is who you are. So we love you. uh, We honor you. And um, we're grateful that you are the healer. And we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.